the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I don't want to believe in the Christian faith just because I have a need to believe. I want to believe because it is faithful and true. So I declare to you this morning, based on the evidence, and I mean raw empirical evidence, that the Bible you hold in your hand is in every way the true words of God and that Jesus Christ is faithful and true. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be here in just a moment with today's message. You know, here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is here now to take your prayer request. And thank you so much for listening. Today's broadcast with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled Faithful and True. That's Faithful and True. We'll bring you the first portion of this broadcast here today. And by the way, Merry Christmas from everyone here at Reaching Your Heart. Here's Pastor Mike. Dear Father God, we want to be faithful and true. We cannot look within us objectively and find a basis for that because our nature is awful. The Bible says we put no confidence in the flesh. So we can't stand before you today and argue that we're some fabulous generation ready for the second coming. But what we can do is stand before you and kneel and say, Jesus, will be ready when it's right for the second coming. And we want Jesus. And Lord, we latch our future, our very lives to him today. As we open the word of God to be saved by Jesus and by your love, in Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And the Bible is correct. Dr. Sam Harris is an expert in artificial intelligence, among other things. I've heard him on the Joe Rogan show. You ever listen to that podcast that goes for four hours? It's like huge in the world. You can hear everything from kook ideas to advanced quantum mechanics right there on that podcast. I heard Dr. Sam Harris going through the dangers of an artificial intelligence that we are nearing the singularity when artificial intelligence will take over the world if we're not careful. And the real question is, will it be entry into the darkness of a new consciousness, a consciousness that has no self-awareness? Who knows? Now, Dr. Harris is an expert in artificial intelligence, and he would also try and be an expert about the non-existence of God. He wrote this critique on religion recently. I want to share it with you. He writes, The usefulness of religion, the fact that it gives life meaning, that it makes people feel good, is not an argument for the truth of any religious doctrine. It's not an argument that it's reasonable to believe that Jesus really was born of a virgin or that the Bible is the perfect word of the creator of the universe. Dr. Harris is here saying that there has to be more to our religion than simply feeling good about it. The fact that it helps us with our feelings, the fact that we can do better because of religion does not mean that that religion is correct. And I would have to say, looking at that statement, looking at the raw reality of what it means to understand truth, he's right. 
We cannot ultimately judge our religion by our feelings. A recent scientific study sampled thousands of atheists from around the world, and it revealed that atheists tend to believe in the supernatural even though they say they trust in science instead of God. Now, that was an amazing thing. They need something that's spooky out there even if they don't believe in a supernatural God. And so the line of distinction between atheists and believers is not as clean as Dr. Harris would have it and others like him. A sizable number of atheists believe in life after death in some form or another. Many of them also hold to astrology or the belief in a universal life force instead of God. Now, where did that come from? I mean, when I was a kid, I used to sneak out. You know, they used to have these theaters where you drive your cars in, you get the speaker, you put it in the car, you listen. I snuck in, I saw Star Wars that way. And that's where I first heard of the force. I mean, this is George Lucas Star Wars religion. I mean, so the atheists, when they can't find God in church, they've gone to the theater and George Lucas has become the modern prophet of the new religion. So what does it all come down to as the bottom line? I ask you that question today. Here, we are really facing the relevant question that Christians must ask, not just atheists. And the corollary in question imposed by Dr. Sam Harris and others in their provocative challenge, you know, truth must be true. It's not just your feelings that matter. Here's the question. First, I ask the question in their place for you. Is the Bible trustworthy and true? I mean, if the Bible is not trustworthy and true, then we are playing games in church. Did you hear me? And also the corollary question, is Jesus Christ who claims to be the living word of God, the source of our spiritual meaning, the life of God for us through the word, is Jesus Christ faithful and true? I mean, these are the two great questions. If you answer no to these questions, then you have no good reason to be a Christian today. You're wasting your time coming to church. You're wasting your time playing around with religion. But if the answer is yes, friend, you have every reason that is out of this world and in this world to bow down and call Jesus Lord and to be highly engaged in his church at the time of the end. I declare to you this morning based on the evidence, and I mean evidence, I don't like believing things just because I want to believe them. Are you with me? I don't want to believe in the Christian faith just because I have a need to believe. I want to believe because it is faithful and true. So I declare to you this morning, based on the evidence, and I mean raw empirical evidence, that the Bible you hold in your hand is in every way the true words of God and that Jesus Christ is faithful and true. Why? Because Jesus is the Logos. That's a Greek word. Plato used it. He used it to describe the intermediate agent of creation. When he was trying to figure out how a great God of pure form could create a world with imperfect matter, something has to be between it. He talked about the word that was the creative power of God. And John, not reaching into Plato, but reaching into Isaiah 55 and 56, latched on to the creative word of God at the dawn of time. Jesus is the Logos, the Word, the primordial Word that created the universe, who became flesh, who inspired the Bible. And friend, Jesus is the Word of God that I need in my life to survive. You hear me? Dr. Sam Harris said this, The atheist, by merely being in touch with reality, appears shamefully out of touch with the fantasy life of his neighbors. So he's saying, as you know, because we don't believe in God... 
we're really in touch with reality and you people of religion because we don't know everything you believe we're out of touch with the lunatics out there that's kind of what he's saying friend we live in an age of unbelief and anger and a few in christianity i mean a few a few in christianity have marshaled the evidence to face the challenges of men like dr harris i don't slight dr sam harris for his personal opinions at all in fact, he appears to me to be an honest man who's trying to figure it out. I believe he has a misguided worldview. I believe it's uninformed because he has limited the information that he can interact with. But I believe he's a good man from what I've observed. I challenge him intellectually and morally to consider the raw evidence of Bible prophecy. And the internal evidence of the Bible itself is a system that bears witness to the mind of God. All this talk about religion, when you listen to these podcasts and you watch the YouTube features of interacting with people religion, usually Sam Harris, Lawrence Krauss, I mentioned some other famous skeptics like Dr. Richard Dawkins, they eat religionists alive in those debates because they will not go to the Bible and investigate the raw evidence of Bible prophecy. Friend, when we take our Bible and we go through the books of Daniel and Revelation, we hold in our hand empirical evidence that the Bible breaks time-space boundaries. When the Bible predicts the future after it was written accurately, we have a test of the veracity of the Bible. None of these people that I've seen interact with these skeptics on that level. The Bible breaks the boundaries of expectations and reveals itself to be the Word of God. It predicts the future. You go to Daniel 2. I mean, every time I go to that simple prophecy of Daniel 2, you have an image, a head of gold, chest of silver, waist of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. And here is an image that gives you the four great world empires, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. And it says it, after you, Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, shall arise another kingdom in fear to you. And then a third kingdom of bronze and a fourth kingdom that'll rule the world and so on. I mean, that's Rome. Anybody who follows world history knows that when Daniel predicted that in the sixth century, he got Greece right and Rome right after his own day. Edward Gibbons, following the decline of the Roman Empire, considered one of the greatest works of all time, boldly affirms the validity of the image of Daniel 2. He goes right to the book of Daniel to capture the essence of world history. And he talks about the four great world empires, and he looks at Daniel as if he's the best historian you could ever find. The problem is Daniel wrote this 6th century B.C. We have pieces of the book of Daniel 2nd century B.C., it was translated in the Greek Old Testament 2nd century B.C. And Rome had not yet matured. And Daniel speaks of the divided Europe that would follow in the Christian era. And based on the prophecies of Daniel, Hippolytus, early church father, would say something like this. At the end of time, Rome will be gone and the world will be divided into ten democracies based on Daniel. I mean, that's pretty good. And so these skeptics don't interact with that kind of evidence. But we should as Christians... How many of you know who Sir Isaac Newton is? Anybody here? Sir Isaac Newton is the smartest man perhaps to have ever lived in recorded history. He's considered the great monotheist who gave us science, the scientific empirical method. He unlocked the principles of Newtonian mechanics that allowed us to put a man on the moon and create the Industrial Revolution. He's the greatest scientist of all time, pretty much agreed upon. Most people don't realize it, that Sir Isaac Newton wrote about religion in the Bible more than he wrote about science. And he drew attention in his writings to Daniel 9, 24-27, the 70-week prophecy of Daniel 9, the 490-year prophecy. Now, if you've never studied this prophecy, and I'm not going to do it here, it talks about 
the restoration of Jerusalem in 457 B.C., the decree to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah Prince. And it gives us a time prophecy. And it gives you the exact year when Christ would be baptized in AD 27. He would be crucified in AD 31. And then it ends in AD 34 with the stoning of Stephen, the dispensation to the Gentiles. An amazing time prophecy. Now, Isaac Newton was no fanatic when it came to the Bible. He was a careful student of the Bible. And he made a statement in his commentary on Daniel Revelation that no atheist can honestly address the creator of the universe and say there was not evidence to believe in Jesus Christ because of this time prophecy. Friend, we have great evidence to believe that Jesus is true and his word is trustworthy. We live in an age when Christian scholars have attacked the Bible in famous seminaries and universities to align with the atheists of our time so they can look good. Others have diminished the authority of the Bible by creating theories of inspiration. You know, it always feels good if you can come to the Bible and say, well, I've heard some pastors say this. I will never say it. If I say it, would you slap me on my hand like this? Would you slap me hard? I am a theologian. You ever heard someone say something like that? I go, well, what does that mean? That means you're supposed to be smarter than us. I just want someone to share the Bible with me. Are you with me? I want deep Bible study. I want humble interaction with the Word of God. And so it feels good to be a theologian. So theologians have come up with theories that have diminished the authority and the impact of the Word of God on Christian people at the time of the end. And many of these modern Christian thinkers would like to look smart, like Dr. Harris and others, to impress them. But if it doesn't impress Jesus, if it doesn't impress God who gave us the Bible, I really don't care for any title. In Revelation 19.1, the judgment of the great harlot ends with the loud rejoicing in heaven. All of heaven unites in a single voice to say something about God. It's as if a vote is taken in the universe and the affirmation is loud and clear. The harlot of the apocalypse represents, as we have already seen in our studies, the fallen church of the last days that was present in the Middle Ages as a religio-political system that gave us the Bible in the Orthodox era in the 3rd and 4th centuries but failed to obey the Bible. That same medieval church-state system became enamored with the Greek philosophers of previous generations in the 5th and 6th centuries. And in time, it developed a class of philosopher-king priests patterning itself after Plato's Republic. You know, if you have a smart group of philosopher-kings, you can tell the little people what to do. The priests became that. And instead of teaching the Bible, they imposed systems and theories of theology. This unenlightened form of Christianity killed millions of people in the name of God. Daniel 7 says it made war against God and the saints of the Most High. And in the books of Daniel Revelation, God identified this fallen church medieval system. He said it would come down in the French Revolution as a powerful force in Europe, but it would exist as a church to the time of the end, to be consumed and destroyed, he says, until the end. And so the Bible is very clear, friend. Just because you attend a church does not mean that you are following Jesus Christ. I want my church to obey the Bible. Are you with me? I don't want to obey some expert out there. I don't want to obey someone who says, well, this is how we've always done it. It doesn't matter. It matters what Jesus wants us to do. Look at Revelation 19, 1-3. Let's look at the whole thing and read it. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven 
crying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For His judgments are, now what does the text say in your Bible? His judgments are true and just. That's the key phrase. He has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Now, fornication in the context is when a religious church system falls in love with the kings of the earth and creates a church-state alliance that is not faithful to God and thus leaves its true lover, Jesus Christ. So it's possible for an end-time church system to commit fornication. He goes on to say, He has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with fornication. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. This medieval church-state system killed millions of people, not thousands, millions of people in the name of Jesus Christ. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Verse 3, once more they cried, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever, which means eternal destruction for this system. Friend, the judgment of the great harlot church is something in the book of Revelation that immediately precedes the second coming of Jesus Christ. It occurs in the fifth, sixth, and seventh plagues. This judgment is the subject, as I said, of the last three plagues. Revelation 18 describes it in detail. You have a whole chapter outlining it as the kings of the earth, the merchants of the earth, so that's the political powers, the economic powers, and the mighty men of the earth, the military forces. They wail because this religious system has come to sudden destruction as Christ appears in the crowds of glory. Now I want to draw your attention to verse 2. In verse 2, this statement is made by the host of the heavenly universe. I believe there's a lot of worlds out there that are inhabited. Now, I'm not into UFO stuff, but I believe when Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms, he meant planets. And that those planets have intelligent life on them. And I go to prepare a place for you. Our planet is not ready yet. It has to be prepared for the future. So the universe together, at the time of the end... At the end of the investigative judgment, which ends so that Jesus can return. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? Well, if you look in Daniel 7, Christ comes to the Ancient of Days to receive his kingdom from his Father. He confesses the names of his people in Revelation before his Father. And that's when he returns. We looked at a verse last week, Luke 19, 11, and 12. How many of you remember that verse? Verse 12, a nobleman went where? into a far-off country to do what? To receive his kingdom and then return. And we learn that Jesus receives his kingdom in the investigative judgment just before the second coming. Then he returns. Thus it is the kingdom of heaven. So Dr. Harris is right. Let's get back to Dr. Harris. It really does matter if God is true, right? Does it? Can you agree with me or no? 
And on the moral plane, it also matters if God is just. You know, if he says what he's going to do, that's one thing. But don't you want him to be a moral God? I do. Who wants to worship a God who is a fiend or who administers justice because he can't hold his temper? I mean, how would you like to bow down to a God like that for all eternity? And who would bow down to a deity who uses his power irresponsibly and he bullies his creatures around, who bars people from eternity because he doesn't like them? I don't want to worship a God like that. So if that's the kind of God that we see, he may be true in the sense he says what he says, but he has to be just. He has to have a character that is worthy of being God. The Bible teaches us that we worship a God who loves everyone. I pause. He didn't make us to be robots. He loves everyone. This fact is very different than the classical Calvinistic teaching that is contrary to the Bible. In the Calvinistic view of predestination, God chooses who will be saved and he chooses who will be lost. He even goes further. He predestines those that he chooses to be lost to go to hell. How do you like a God like that? Does that move you to fall down and say, glorious be your loving name? Doesn't that kind of rub you raw? And yet the theologians of the post-Middle Ages, the Protestant theologians who came up with this, thought they were doing the Christian church service. This misunderstanding of election has been used to paint God as both unjust and evil. If God predestined someone to be lost in hell, and that person never had a chance to choose because God predestined them, then God has no right, and I say this as a creature with a moral sense in me, if that's the case, God has no right to judge them, and God has no right to be judged, and even more, God has no right to be God. Are you with me? If that's how he behaves. And so we live in a universe where there are intelligent beings who are moral beings. They aren't ignorant. And they've asked the question, is God worthy to be God? Now, in Revelation 19, 2, look at the verse again. It says, his judgments are just and true. The whole universe, at the end of this investigative judgment, affirmed that God is a moral being. Sometimes we think it's all about us, that God's trying to make us show something. No, it's about God. In the Bible, friend, we worship a God who was on trial before a sentient, intelligent universe. When Lucifer attacked the law of God in heaven in Isaiah 14, when he wanted to place his throne above the stars of God, he did the same in Daniel 8. He attacked the justice and the truth of God's ways. When he claimed that God's law is not just or true, he claimed in principle that God himself is not just or true. And the Bible is more than just a book for our personal devotions. The Bible is a legal record through centuries of what God has done interacting in this great controversy to show that he is who he is, that he is a loving being, and that he is just to bring sin to its end. Satan attacked the law. He attacked God in Christ when he did it. The Bible clearly teaches this in so many places. Let me show you one. Turn with me to Revelation 3, verses 3 and 4. Now here in Paul's epistle to the Romans, Paul's asking the question, what if some were unfaithful? (laughs) Have you ever been unfaithful? Let's get honest. Raise your hand if you're in the group. Some of you pretty dishonest around here. The preacher has been unfaithful in his life. You know, it's healthy to admit it. James says we should confess our faults, not our sins, but our faults to one another. So we should fess up. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? Verse 4, by no means. 
Let God be true, though every man be false, it is as written, that thou mayest be justified in thy words and prevail. Now here's how the Greek reads. And prevail when thou, meaning when God, when thou art judged. Who's on trial here? It's God. This is a direct reference to the prayer of David in Psalms 51 verse 4, in which he repented of his sin in killing Uriah the Hittite and stealing his wife Bathsheba. God forgave David. But when you forgive someone like David, who was a murderer, who was an adulterer, it looks like you are not just and true. You shouldn't let him off the hook. And look what David says in Psalms 51 verse 4. Against thee only, thee only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. I read this and I say, David, you don't get the half of it. You just killed a man. You just messed up his wife and you think God is the only party you've offended. I mean, he really didn't have it all together, even his prayer of repentance. Against thee, thee only have I sinned that was evil in thy sight, so that thou art justified in thy sentence and blameless in thy judgment. Now, he's recognizing that God is the judge of all the earth and God has found him guilty. When the prophet turned to him and said, David, you are the man, David didn't say, no, I'm not. He said, I am. Well, that will conclude the first portion of Faithful and True. Today's Reaching Your Heart with our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. We hope you'll join us again the next time we get together when we conclude this broadcast. Otherwise, you can listen to it online at any time at reachingyourheart.com. Thank you so much for listening today. Have you ever wondered what happens five minutes after death? Do you long for the assurance of eternal life? Is there a longing in your heart for something beyond this life? Dark Tunnels and Bright Lights by Mark Finley is the message of hope that you need. This book presents the real truth about life after death, and it is more amazing than you can imagine. Call for your copy today. Here's the information you need. The telephone number is 855-888-4673. 855-888-4673. 855-888-HOPE. Or you can go to the website reachingyourheart.com. Call for your copy today. The book is yours for a donation of any size. And remember that your donations help to keep this ministry on the air. And we thank you for your support. And we hope that you'll join us again next time we get together for another edition of Reaching Your Heart.